Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Giant Mess. It's the sloppy sports entertainment talk show. It covers Giants football, Mets baseball, movies, TV, and a whole lot more. It's hosted by Giant Mess. That's me, the real Cynthia Lynch. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the New York football Giants and New York baseball Mets. The Giants came oh so close to taking down the Eagles on Christmas Day. They probably, definitely, a thousand percent should have beat the Los Angeles Rams, and then they ended up. Then they did end up beating the Eagles on their home home turf, very soundly. So we'll quickly recap those games. We'll talk about uh, Wink Martindale resigning. A lot of coaches fired. I'll give my thoughts on that. The draft pick is solidified, cemented, if you will. The number six pick. So I'll give my early very early premature thoughts I'm a premature kind of guy that's a sex joke uh, I'll give my premature thoughts on who we should take with the number six pick should it be a quarterback should it be an offensive lineman should it be a wide receiver should it be an edge rusher I could go every through every position because they need every position <laughs> <coughs> <clears throat> and also the 2024 opponents were announced home in a way that's always fun to take a look at and uh oh boy mm, my initial response not great i kind of dug into it a little bit and i just thought eh, i'll give you a nice nice big fat wide range then we'll finish up with the metros um we'll go over their off season so far you know the athletic was handing out grades so you'll find out what grade that they gave the New York Mets. And my thoughts on just like overall the free agent signing so far and the trades that we've uh, executed thusly. So with that, let's get us started up in here. Oh boy, it's been a minute, huh? Giants, Eagles, Christmas Day. Keep this sweet, short, succinct, concise. Should have won. <laughs> man, oh man, are the Eagles in a friggin' tumble? Um, we are the one team that they have beat in their last five games, last six games, sorry, last six games. So these motherfuckers started off 10 and one and in the 11 game stretch, every win that they got just about people were like, these aren't, these, they're, they're not good. <laughs> like I've never seen a worse 10 and one team. It was just like they just keep winning. And not only were Eagles fans like kind of not too thrilled about the way they were winning or how they were winning or how they were playing in those wins, the sports media was coming down on them. I mean, I listened to part of my take. I mean, you know, Max is an Eagles fan. And I mean, Big Cat and PFT are just every every game. Just like, yeah, you won, but uh, it didn't look great. It didn't look great. So yeah, that's, um, you know, w watch them go and win the Super Bowl now. <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I, all signs are pointing, and this is what makes the playoffs so wackadoo, is that a team can look a certain way in the regular season and just completely, uh, not completely, but almost go flip mode on everyone in the postseason. So, you know, it's like uh, everyone thinks, oh, yeah, it's Niners are even Super Bowl. No doubt about it. They're both the number one seeds, blah, blah, blah. <coughs> There's always a couple wrinkles in the mix. I think twos go to the Super Bowl a lot. I, may, I remember breaking this down last year, the like the percentage by seed of Super Bowl winners. So I think you're looking at the two through four seeds as potentially going to the Super Bowl. But wouldn't it be, you know, I mean, I don't know. Just the eye test alone tells me that they're just not in the mood to win <laughs> they just are they're kind of over it i think which is crazy because it's like they were 10 and one mm. and they finished up one and six i think no one and five woof and it should have been zero and six because the giants should have taken them down on christmas day we uh got a nice little jolt from tyrod taylor and I, you know i'll say this about tyrod taylor i like him borderline love him he is, but he is way too injury prone. Felt like any time he got touched or hit, 
it was like it's it's broken it's sprained it's you know twisted it's tormented so not great that he's injury prone but also i mean he put in some really good numbers but it's like when when it comes to clutch time being clutch and we're not even asking him to make tough throws a lot of the time like that eagles game that's not really a tough throw and I forget who it was that was why the fuck open. It was either Darius Slayton or Darren Waller. I think it might have been Darren Waller. Just wide open. You hit him, game over. We win. But no. So that was a winnable game uh, that we let slip through our fingers. Rams game, you know, I didn't think that we would stand any much of a chance because I, I thought, you know, I did think we could have possibly pulled a a quick one on the Eagles on Christmas Day, um, just because of how they're in in a steep decline. Rams, I didn't think we had it in us, especially after losing to the the Saints like we did into the Eagles in that kind of fashion. It just made me think, ah, we're gonna come out flat and we're just gonna get steamrolled because the Rams are on a roll. And we took him down to the wire. Um, Gunnar Olszewski, we gotta resign that dude, right? There, I mean, I don't think there's any real question about it. That punt return was awesome. 96 yards was the second longest of the season, and I think it's the longest in Giants history. That can't be right. The longest since Dwayne Harris, I know that much. So um, I can't see why you wouldn't bring him back. I mean, he's been just a, a breath of fresh air. We don't have to worry about punts anymore returning punts and even kickoff returns like he just he just straight up doesn't return them <laughs> he's just like well just, wait you're telling me that i could catch this and take it to the 23 or i can just let it go and we go to the 25 i'm just gonna let it go <laughs> it's like smart dude i don't think i saw him return one kickoff but uh my god that was such an electric punt return for a touchdown and, you know the rams special teams aren't great um might be even worse than us you know, they lost the Ravens on a walk-off punt return in overtime, and then they give up this punt return to arguably one of the worst special teams units in the league. Um, and then, I mean, Tyrod, yet, yet again, I again, I love the dude. I borderline love the dude. He makes, he's he likes to maneuver in the pocket. He's very mobile within the pocket. You know, his ability to shift and move and keep his eyes downfield and extend plays and not give up on plays. Um, Knowing when to scramble, knowing when to get down, knowing to blah, blah, blah. Just injury prone and can't. I mean, I mean, and these throws that we're talking about are not tough throws. The Darren, uh, the the throw against the Eagles on Christmas Day, the guy's wide open. Uh, Rams game, Saquon is wide. The fuck open and is like five yards from him and can't hit him. And, you know, I've been there as a former quarterback. I've been there. Sometimes the easiest throws, and it even applies to baseball too. Like, I keep bringing up Chuck Knobloch, but like a second baseman or like a pitcher. Hit back to the pitcher, ground ball to the pitcher. We we kind of forget how to throw like a normal person, not like a pitcher. <laughs> and so that's why that gets fucked up so much. Similar thing in, in football with quarterbacks. It's like, it's so easy and it's so right there that you forget how to just softly guide it to the guy. You know, we're so used to just like firing the ball or putting a touch on a deep ball. Each requires some kind of arm strength. This requires like zero arm strength. And that's why you kind of noodle it. And my God. And I, I just, I wasn't surprised or shocked by it because like now I'm starting to get used to it that Tyrod is the kind of quarterback that will keep you in the game. He will keep you in the game and he'll make plays, but ultimately he will not be clutch and pull them out. Again, borderline love the dude. So close. I mean, look, look at the games that he's started or been in and how we've lost those games. Bill's game can't connect with Darren Waller. Obviously, it was pass interference, but at the same time, you know, letting the clock run out at the end of the half. Um, just like these little, they're not a lot of mistakes, but the quality of these mistakes. Oh, Hachimachi. So the Bills game, like hit Darren Waller, dude. The, uh, I guess you can't say the Jets game. He got injured and, and left. 
but like Eagles game, Christmas Day, Rams game at home, like that's a win. We should have won that game. Um, and then sure enough, we we play the Eagles again uh, at MetLife, which almost burned to the ground. Damn it, we're so close to burning that thing to the ground. But uh, and then we do pull out the win in the regular season finale. So uh, I think defense came to play, which was good to see. I mean, Eagles were playing without Devontae Smith. A.J. Brown gets kind of hurt early. Jalen Hurts dinged up his finger on a throw. I guess he hit his hand on the helmet. They had a lot of injuries in that game. And I'll be honest, I was surprised that they gave up so quickly. I, like... And it, they pulled their start, most of their starters, if not all their starters. I mean, they were down, what, 21 nothing, 24 nothing, or something like that. Two or three scores. But it's against the Giants team that you own. You've owned for the past goddamn 10 years. Um, you know, we haven't beaten them in, I don't know how many games, 10 games, 12 games, something like that. This is our first one. No, this is our first win since 2021. That's right. So, but uh, overall, we just have horrific luck against uh, the Philly, the Philly squad. And so I was like, all right, we're up 21, nothing, 24, nothing, multiple scores. But I mean, there's another half to go. The Eagles will figure it out and exploit us at some point. And then AJ Brown gets hurt and then they pull everyone and you're like, oh, okay, I guess we're going to coast. And then Mariota starts putting together some drives. Like I, I watched most of it before I uh, got in the car and, and listened to it on the radio. But you could you could hear there was a little bit of concern and worry in Bob Papa's voice and Carl Banks. They're, they're, they were kind of like, all right, you know, this is now they've scored 10 straight points, you know, and the Giants offense is looking anemic and the defense is looking soft again. But luckily, you know, Tyrod organizes, orchestrates the clock-killing drive at the end of the game, which really put uh, Philly away. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a long season and it, it, I was thinking about this today, like Tommy DeVito goes on a three game winning streak and people are like, Oh, we don't need Tyrod Taylor back. And Tommy DeVito just stinks against the saints. And, uh, I think he was benched for the Eagles game, but you know, it's just like, everyone's like, no, we don't need Tyrod back. And then DeVito, you know, ends up coming crashing back down to earth and uh tyrod puts together a lot of a, a series a string of really decent good games where he's winning or coming close to winning and they're like well now i need tyrod back it's like okay yeah i mean stick with what works and you're familiar with um but does tyrod want to come back is it possible that tyrod can be a starter somewhere next season you know it's it's possible Falcons did it with Mariota after he was benched or became a backup. You know, that didn't really end well, but it's un not unheard of that a, a starter can go to be a backup and then uh, eventually get back to being a starter. So he could be a starter somewhere next season. I can see that for sure. What a frustrating dude, though. You know, everything about him looks fucking cool and he plays so cool, but then he, it's just like the, like, ugh. You can't pick a worse time to miss a throw and not just any throw, an easy throw. So it's just weird. It's weird. He makes so many good throws during the game. And then when it, and then when it's like, well, this is the throw, it's wide open. We score it. Oh. <coughs> His receivers weren't, weren't really helping him out uh, too much. I think there were a couple of drops in the Philly game, a couple of drops in the Rams game. So, receivers really need to help him out. But so we take it to the the Eagles, twenty seven ten. Not bad. Good way to end the season. You know, I don't feel as shitty as I did uh, following that Joe Judge's last game. That's for sure. And a lot of people saying that's a testament to Brian Dable. You know that a lot of the and I kind of have to agree with that. Now, am I gonna am I a ride or die with Brian Dable and Joe Shane? I don't know. I was so close to being ride or die after last season, despite how we exited the playoffs in, in really ugly fashion against the Eagles, which I still get uh, teased about. 
how I thought there was going to be a sea change. And you know what? I'm not completely wrong. You know, going back to the video that quote unquote blew up for me, at least it's one of my more popular videos on YouTube. Uh, I said that the Eagles are salary cap. They don't have a lot of space in the salary cap. And so there's no way they're going to be able to bring back a lot of their top players or sign new players that they're going to hand the bag to Jalen Hurts. And then by giving him all that money, it's going to restrict how you can operate in free agency and trades and blah, blah, blah. And I got roasted up and down for that video. And ultimately, they're 11 and 6, which is a, I mean, God damn, we have not had an 11 and, I mean, 11 and 5 season since 2008. Am I wrong about that? 11 win season? Oh, 09, no. 10, no. 11, no. 12, no. 13, definitely not. 14, no. 15, no. 16, yes. So 2016 was the last time that we had 11 wins. Hmm. Eh. So, I mean, a lot of people are excited that this Brian Dable's back and that this breaks the whole two-year curse that we had going on where it's like, Shermer two like McAdoo two years, Shermer two years, Judge two years, like it ended that streak. So people are happy about that. And uh, you know, I gotta I gotta give it up to Dable. This season was off the rails real quick in that uh in that Cowboys game. So like, I mean, I was predicting 0-17. <laughs> I was just like, you can't play like this, especially losing Andrew Thomas. Like, you just can't play like this, you're gonna lose every game. Um, so that was deflating, but to, to finish the way that they did, and a lot of people are, uh, using it to throw, to, uh, criticize and insult Daniel Jones into them. I said, fuck you, uh, Daniel Jones was not playing good football. Daniel Jones was also not playing with his all pro left tackle and missed, uh, and did not have the benefit of his should be all pro running back. Saquon was hurt was hurt for a while and your Thomas was hurt for a long time you know we put a guard at left tackle and he allows a defender to break Daniel Jones neck which causes him to miss games he comes back we have a uh really shitty blocking attempt by Evan Neal possibly or Darren Waller someone missed a block and so in trying to evade Max Crosby that maniac uh, Daniel Jones tears his ACL and he wasn't, he just wasn't playing well this year, but I don't know. There are quarterbacks that have down years. I don't know if you're familiar. Yes. A lot of the top elite quarterbacks probably don't have really down years, but that would, no one ever said that he was an elite top five, top 10. I mean, I, uh, I think I said top 10 quarterback, like 10th <laughs> out of 10 uh, after last season, but hey, he regressed big time, you know? So, but to say, and I guess, you know, we, Jones was one in six, one in seven, one in six. And the, the other quarterbacks were five and four, something like that. And so they're using that against uh, Daniel Jones, but it's like Andrew Thomas comes back. And when Andrew Thomas comes back, that shores up that pass rush on that side, on the edge. And that means that a completion big gain, more time, you know, it's just, it's a big difference. It's a major, huge, critical difference. <laughs> so, and Saquon came back and yeah, maybe he's not, I mean, he hasn't been 2018 Saquon because he's not 2018 Saquon, he's 2023 Saquon. And so his numbers are in decline, but again, pass protect, pass pro sucked in the first half of the season. And then running the ball became harder and not and not as great as it was in the first half in the second half of the season so saquon wasn't seeing a lot of big holes or creases or anything it was just mostly getting uh surrounded i mean uh, you know i can the play calling again could be better it's like our passing game got better you know and maybe that's a case of like tyrod and tommy devito taylor and devito law firm are aren't afraid to go deep they like to let it rip and they like to go deep. So, and Daniel Jones has just, has, hasn't, 
hasn't taken a lot of shots down the field. So, um, but DJ is still the starter. And um, do you resign Tyrod? He's expensive, right? Do we think we can get a cheaper option that might be as good as Tyrod? Like, I think Gardner Minshew is going to cost money. Jameis Winston, I cannot see us signing Jameis Winston as a backup. I can maybe see Gardner Minshew, but at the same time, those guys are going to be, I think, more expensive. No? I'm going to take a gander. Let's look, shall we? Because I, Tyrod was one of the more expensive backups when we signed him. So yeah, Kirk, Tannehill. I almost wonder if you just signed Tannehill on a flyer. Because he's not... Wait, hold on. Let me look at his market value. $5 million a year? That's not bad. Tyrod would be $2.8 million, $3 million, And he's a, a year younger. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. So I guess, yeah, bring him back. I mean, he was $5.5 million last this past season, and he's valued at less than $3 million? That seems like an easy re-sign. But I don't know. Odds are, you know, I, I mean, I truly believe that Daniel will be back in time for week one to start week one. But, you know, as Shane said in his uh, press conference, end of year press conference, you don't. You also don't want to risk it and put all your eggs in that basket, right? You want to sign someone. Or, he said sign someone. He did not say draft someone, which leads me to believe <laughs> they're going to go to free agency to get the guy that they want, that they think can win one to four games. Because I can't see him coming back later than that unless there's a major setback, which knowing Daniel Jones' luck, there might be. But... Tannehill's 35, Tyrod's 34, they'll probably be 36 and 35 and 36 respectively once the season starts. You know, you kind of, you're not like too high on that, but then you look at someone like Joe Flacco, it's like, oh shit, you know? Joe Flacco, old man Joe Flacco comes back and he looks like a goddamn stud. (sighs) I would not be opposed to signing Drew Locke. That would be pretty sweet. But... I wonder if Seattle has had enough of Geno Smith and they they feel like Drew Locke is their guy. I mean, he did beat the Eagles, which I know is uh, this year not as uh, tall a task, but still. Gardner Minshew is the guy that uh, would be pretty sweet. Five million dollars a year, so you're and five point three. So you he's twenty. He'll be tw- he's going to be twenty eight pretty soon. <clears throat> you can sign him for like less than what you signed Tyrod for. And I don't believe he's as injury prone. Joe Flacco is almost 39. You know, Josh Dobbs might be another guy that you look at. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm just, I'm out and drafting quarterback with the sixth spot. I know I teased that and we'll get to it in a little bit, but I just, I think there's so many other routes to go. I don't know that you're going to get this. I just, I'm not, I get excited for the draft when the draft comes around. But I'm not the one of those guys that's like tank for the draft. Like the, to the fans that were upset the Giants beat the Eagles in the regular season finale and we don't have the five pick, we have the six pick. Get alive. Like what? Who gives a shit? I mean, unless the, like this is where I, uh, I don't know, maybe I've lost touch with college football. But, like, is there a guy in college football that is, like, can't miss is going to take? I don't know. Think about all the quarterbacks that have been drafted number one or number two overall. And I think I brought up this stat a bunch of times. In the past 20-some-odd years, one's won the Super Bowl, I think. Meanwhile, you got fucking Tom Brady, sixth round, Brock Purdy, like, Mr. Irrelevant. Patrick Mahomes wasn't a number one overall pick. So, like, you know, the people that are just slobbering over Caleb Williams and Drake May and sobbing over it and getting so butthurt that we're, we we keep winning these games, like, shut the fuck up. I understand a game, a, a, an elite quarterback makes up for a poor offensive line. I get that. But it's not sustainable. And eventually, you, you know, your poor offensive line lets an absolute – monster ravager quarterback you know you can't tell me that like joe burrow 
wouldn't appreciate a better offensive line. He's had two of his seasons end short because of injuries, because he's getting hit. So, you know, Josh Dobbs is going to be almost $7 million a year. He is, I think I saw he was 27. No, 29, excuse me. You know, Tannehill, probably not. Jacoby Brissett is 31. He only he only played 46 snaps in 2023. Marietta, no thanks. <laughs> Sam Darnold is Sam Darnold is interesting. Sucked with the Jets, goes to the Niners, and looks decent. Sorry, he went to the Panthers first, didn't he? Panthers and then the Niners. So he's had a little bit of a resurgence with the Niners. 297 yards, two touchdowns, one pick, three fumbles. Oof. <coughs> so that's it's worth of it's worth considering. I mean, he's 4.5 million dollars in 2023. Did I look up a what gen- just for shits and gigs? I'm gonna look up Jameis. Jameis is like less than three million dollars <laughs> at age 30. Uh that's kind of weird. It's Jameis. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Huntley Huntley is going to be 26. He earned 2.6 mil this past season. Hmm. The other guys, I don't know that I'm too crazy about any of these dudes. Unless Jake Browning is going to be a free agent. That is interesting. I did not realize that. Yeah, so looking at this now, I think I got to go... And Mason Rudolph, which, you know, say what you will about Mason Rudolph, and maybe this is recency bias. The fact that he's able to get the Steelers into the playoffs and he's starting a playoff game. And if he wins that playoff game, I mean, they're playing at Buffalo against the Bills. So good luck, brother. Um, Is that someone you bring in? He's only 28. He earned only $1 million. Mm, I don't know. Something to think about. So right now, if I'm looking at if Tyrod, if we if we think it's not worth bringing Tyrod back, which 35 year old backup injury prone gets us close but doesn't get us the win. So if we don't bring him back on a fairly cheap deal, I think you got to look at Drew Locke, which again feels like a long shot. I don't think that the Seahawks are going to give up on him. Drew Locke. I mean, Baker Mayfield has pretty much solidified himself as a starter, and I'd be shocked if the Buccaneers don't bring him back because he's doing things that Tom Brady did, which is a wild thing to say out loud. So, yeah, Baker's probably going to get re-signed or franchise tag, especially, you know, making the playoffs, possibly beating the Eagles. Well, so I'd say Drew Locke, Gardner Minshew, Tyler Huntley. I don't know if I'm in on Dobbs or not. Feels like he's just a younger Tyrod. <laughs> like gets you close, but can't win it. I'll throw him in there. Josh Dobbs. Easton Stick. Got off to a bumpy start. Hung a big number. I know it was the opposite of that. 1,100 passing yards, three touchdowns, five fumbles, one interception. Hmm. Uh, I'll say no to Easton Stick. Kyle Allen, no. Trevor Simeon, no. AJ McCarron, no. Matt Barkley, no. Mason Rudolph and Jake Browning. That's my that's my six free agent quarterbacks the Giants should pursue. Jake Browning, Mason Rudolph, and I I'm probably very wrong on Mason Rudolph. Uh, I'm gonna say no to Josh Dobbs. Did I say no to Josh Dobbs? <laughs> I think I said yes to Josh Dobbs. Jake Browning, Mason Rudolph, Josh Dobbs, Tyler Huntley, Gardner Minshew, Drew Locke. So yeah, it's six. Yeah, but that's the tough part is like, is if you're a backup quarterback and you've played well for your team and that team has a starting quarterback that's kind of iffy, do you want to go to another team, sign with another team where you're probably going to be the backup if, when Daniel Jones is healthy? But... You could start one to four games. And in those one to four games, you could <laughs> make Giants fans' lives a living hell <laughs> where we debate whether or not Drew Locke or Daniel Jones should be our starting quarterback. <laughs> and by another quarterback controversy. I don't know. But yeah, those are my six guys in terms of quarterback free agents because we ain't drafting a quarterback. 
at least not with the sixth pick. I am totally down with drafting a quarterback in the... I got to look at my... Mm, I don't know if I saved that shit. Oh, damn. <coughs> I did about a million mock, mock drafts um, on Monday night when I was watching the national championship game. A million. A cool million. To the point where, like... <laughs> my um my girlfriend was like hey what are you uh what are you doing you watching the game i was like yeah and she's like that's it you're just relaxing i was like yeah and i'm doing mock draft she's like you mean for like fantasy football and i was like mm, no for the giants she's like you know you're not employed by them right and i was like i should be damn skippy i should be motherfucker all right yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's take a look here. Where am I comfortable drafting a quarterback in the 2024 NFL draft? I honestly think one of the second round picks I was okay with. You know, we'll get in, into more into the mock drafts that I've done and in looking at the draft prospects in the coming weeks. I mean, that's all we're going to be talking about for the next fucking three months. Good God. Two months. But I think there were... A fair amount of uh, mock drafts where I was like, I'm okay with taking a quarterback with one of our second round picks. And I think like nine times out of 10, it was either Michael Penix Jr. or like Shadir Sanders, which I don't, I don't know if he's even coming out in the draft. And there was probably one other quarterback that was still available at that time. I don't think it was Jalen Daniels. Jaden Daniels so maybe a second round pick and if you put like a confidence level or confidence rating or like how much I like that idea or you know it's just like I would be okay with it I wouldn't be in love with it but I'd be okay with it I would not be okay with drafting a fucking quarterback at six and who or what or how are we going to tr trade up to the one? So what would Shane have to do in order to get that number one from the Bears? Uh, he'd have to give up a, a a decent amount of draft capital and possibly a player. So it's like, would you, you can't trade. Who are you going to trade? To the Bears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that we have a guy. Ojolari? You're not trading Dexter Lawrence. You're not trading Bobby Okereke. You're not trading Deontay Banks. I mean, a lot of the Cape on Thibodeau, you're not trading. Maybe Aziz Ojolari is like a cherry on top situation. And then you'd have to give up this. You'd give up the six. You'd have to give up one of your twos and a player, Aziz Ojolari. I don't know. To get that number one spot, to get to draft Caleb Williams or Drake May. And then have to sign them to whatever that fucking number one and number two pick gets, which is not cheap. And I think it might be more expensive than a backup quarterback, a free agency backup quarterback. And then you still have Daniel Jones on the payroll for 2024 and 2025. It just doesn't feel right. Like, would you, so would you trade? Can you, I mean, do you trade? Can you trade Daniel Jones to the Bears for? And then what are they going to do with Justin Fields? They trade him to us? Like, it has to be like a multi, I don't know, it has to be a multi-team trade. Like, okay, we're going to trade the Daniel Jones to, I don't know, name a team that needs a quarterback that's not in the NFC East, please. Looking at you, Washington. Um, AFC, yeah, I don't know. That's, uh, it's, it makes my brain hurt. And it makes my heart hurt. Because I believe in Daniel Jones and, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't think I'm this, I'm not the, one of these <coughs> zealots that is going to like, I'm not a zealot when it comes to Daniel Jones. I'm not going to like give my life for him. Okay. But I do think he's still a good quarterback that can win us games and take us to play up and win a playoff game. So what has been bothering me for so long is that um, we just can't ugh, offensive line. Fucking A. So yeah, that was the uh, year in review, I guess. Um, Black Monday came and we saw a lot of guys. Uh, well, oh, sorry. I guess I should say that regular season finale against the Eagles was Sterling Shepard's last game in a Giants uniform. 
I don't know. I I don't I didn't see enough. I don't see any tape of him. There's not a lot of tape on him for this year, but it's interesting that these that Dable is just like he doesn't give a shit how much money you make or if it's your final year or any of that. He just won't play got like Paris Campbell was a healthy scratch for like the latter half of the season. <laughs> like what? That was like, I, I I thought that was a pretty decent free agent signing. I was like, Oh sweet. Paris Campbell. Oh, he's wearing zero. <laughs> he's wearing zero. This dude gets it. He's badass. And then, uh, Nope. He put up some really bad numbers this year. Uh, so that was a miss swing and a miss. And, but Sterling Shepard, they bring him back and it's like, we brought him back to not play him. Or we brought him back because we thought we we're gonna go to the playoffs and make a run. I don't know. Um, but it was it was his uh final game. Uh when he was, I mean, you could I guess you could say this about a lot of players, but like he might be a he's a big what if. You know, I'm watching what if on Disney Plus, and Sterling Shepard is a big what if. David just like David Wilson is a big what if. You know, if he never had the neck injury, how good how 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 high could he go how far could he go and how different would would all those years be before we got Saquon from 2014ish to 2018 you know there's a four year gap there where we had like eh, it's so and so it's Rashad Jennings it's like eh, all right Paul Perkins Orleans Darkwa so if David Wilson is completely 100% healthy no neck injury it's like how are things going to be different? Because he was a playmaker. You could say the same thing about Sterling Shepard. What if he didn't have as many injuries or as many season-ending injuries? I mean, the injuries he had were just brutal. You know? Achilles, ACL, or I don't know. It's just like, I It's. I mean, it is a, a, uh, quite an, a testament for him to him <coughs> that he was able to come back from these, like what I thought were season ending injuries or career ending injuries and being able to come back from it and, and suit up, make the team and suit up. But what's in, what's crazy about Shep is like, he was the last, he was the longest tenured giant. He was drafted in 2016. <laughs> uh, it's like, we have no one from, Prior to the 2016 draft, I was looking through our drafts and I was just like, holy fuck. I mean, we haven't really kept, I mean, and it looks like we're not going to keep a lot of the uh, t guys we drafted from that are still on the team. Like Carter Coughlin saying his goodbyes, Cam Brown saying his goodbyes. It's like, I guess it makes sense. I mean, like, just, like when if you're only doing special teams, like I understand Cam Brown's a special teams captain and like, you know, pretty good, but. But yeah, Sterling Shepard, one of the best route runners, some of the best hands, almost never, like, never, never dropped balls, made phen phenomenal catches, and, uh, you know, when healthy, moves really well. So I was expecting him to have a much larger impact on this season than he did. I think he had, like, what, three catches all year? Woof. Yeah, so, uh, and he also moved into fifth all time. Had a, a Jeremy Shockey in terms of receptions in franchise history, so that's that's pretty cool. I guess you could say the same about Ike Hilliard. Like if he didn't have injuries, what what would he be like? Um, offensive line coach Bobby Johnson fired. Hurrah! Special teams coach Thomas McGahey fired. Hurrah! And then uh, so we were like, cool, 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 cool. That makes sense. We were we were hoping for that, and we got it. So that's good. But then the Wilkins brothers were fired. One's a linebacker's coach. The other one's some kind of defensive coach. And that, according to some people, was the reason why Wink Martindale resigned. So in the morning press conference with Dable and Shane, they say, oh, you know, we expect them back. And then uh, Wink resigns after finding out that his boys, the Wilkins bros, were fired. So <laughs> that's tough because... Lot of, there's a, a large portion. I, I mean, there are very few Giants fans, I think, that did not like Wink Martindale or did not like what he was able to do with the defense. I personally just liked his aggressive scheming, you know, 
that he was able to thoroughly confuse and befuddle people with the amount of looks that he gave opposing quarterbacks. And then just the, the sheer insanity of his blitz rate. I fucking love that. After having so many seasons of Patrick Graham and like other defenses where it's like, we're just going to bend, not break. And we're just going to place, you know, nothing gets behind us. And it's just like 13 play drives for a field goal. I don't know. It just, it was like nice to see us just be aggressive and play hard and tough and fast. Um, most games, not all games. Cause there were some games where it's like, what, what's going on? What happened? This is a totally different team defense unit. Um, you know, there's some people saying Link Martindale tough to work with, and Brian Dable tough tough to work with. And then the two of them they butt heads and clash. You know, two strong, outspoken personalities. Uh, Wink Martindale throwing Xavier McKinney on the bus at the time it was like, oh yeah, because McKinney said some bullshit to the media, and at the time I thought he was not playing well. I mean, I went off on why on he needs to get off the team and that we we should trade him. I can't believe he wasn't traded because it that was just the, the optics from where I was sitting. And then he finished the season pretty goddamn strong. Um, and it looks like he was back to his old self. So now it looks like uh, I think his market value is like 10 million a year. So that's going to be an interesting decision. Um, I'm leaning towards bringing him back. The fact that he was able to play every snap this year was one of uh, um, two players on the team, Bobby Okereke being the other. You know, I was wrong. I'm just about, uh, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of players. Bobby Okereke, I was wrong. Kevin Dibodeau, I was wrong. Uh, Xavier McKinney, I was wrong. Adoree Jackson, I still f- firmly hold on to that belief. Like, I, I guess he wants to be back, but it's like, I don't know, dude. I just can't. I don't know that I can justify that. Let's see what he's what the guy. I mean, he made thirteen million. He's gonna make eleven million. Uh, pass. I I just I I don't know. I just I think he wants to come back, but I just I just can't can't justify it. But then again, it's like who else are we gonna start? I mean, Trey Hawkins. <laughs> We're not gonna start him. Um. So we'd have to draft someone or sign someone in free agency. And uh, yeah, I don't know who you would who you pick there, but. So Wink Martindale resigns. I guess he was expecting to get fired. And then when he uh, didn't get fired, that's when he, and then his boys got fired. That's when he resigned. So, and now it's, I think people are changing their minds or at least not as high on Wink Martindale as they, as they were, you know, considering what he was doing um, behind the scenes, I guess. So who can we, uh, who are the candidates to replace Wink Martindale's defensive coordinator? Uh, I mean, I was against, so just to put a, a bow on it, I was against firing Wink Martindale. I know there were a lot of, there were some fans that were like, but look at where our defense is ranked. We were ranked in the bottom, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's because we had three to four really atrocious games. But then again, the games that we had really, that played really well, with the exception of Buffalo, it's like you're going against some really subpar quarterbacks. So, my reasoning for keeping him was mostly about consistency and uh, the fact that the players like him. I think that was huge for me. And I just don't want to see this aggressive style defense go away. I want to continue to blitz um, and, you know, make some like they, we, we confuse Matt Stafford, Matthew Stafford. That's a good quarterback that the defense played well against Jordan Love who struggled early on, but then got hot. And I mean, the dude threw 30, 32 touchdowns he threw this year. Holy fuck. So yeah, we played well against Jordan Love. So there were a couple quarterbacks here and there. And you guess you could say Jalen Hurts. There were a couple good quarterbacks here and there where we played really well against. And there were just, there were like three or four games where we just absolutely completely shit the bed. And I'm convinced that's why our rankings are so low. Because it just doesn't feel like the defense is that bad. But so my, what sucks about him leaving is like now you got a, a whole unit that lost their guy and now they got a, we're going to have a new defensive coordinator come in and they're going to have to learn a new system and that system might not be so blitz heavy. Blarf. So here are the candidates that uh, have been pitched or I guess proposed as replacements for Wink. 
Uh, you have two in-house candidates, Jerome Henderson, the DB's coach, and the Andre Patterson, the D-line coach. Both of those, their uh, groups or units have performed well to above well to above average. Um, Leslie Frazier, former Bills defensive coordinator, <coughs> who had his issues with uh, McDermott, Sean McDermott, but not necessarily Brian Dable. So maybe Frazier is back in the mix. Uh, Eric Washington. Bill's assistant head coach, D-line coach, Anthony Weaver, Ravens assistant head coach and D-line coach, Ejiro Aviro, Panthers defensive coordinator. So I don't know that any of those really, other than Leslie Fra Leslie Frazier is kind of like the brand name among those. Um, in reading the write-up on Anthony Weaver and Ejiro Aviro, and even Eric Washington, it was pretty glowing. So if those three are in the mix and we go with one of those, like... Just think about that Bills defense. Think about that Ravens defense. Panthers defense, maybe not so much, although you look at how they played down the stretch or over the course of the season, and like the defense kept them in a lot of games. This is their offense. Blows. No offense. So the biggest questions facing the Giants this offseason, Daniel Jones, the quarterback situation, the offensive line, Saquon Barkley. Uh, not going to lie, listen to Saquon Barkley talk after the game against the Eagles and what and the quotes that he's had lately to the media and the press. It's just like, I, I think he's lost. It went from, I want to be a lifelong giant to he's just like, yeah, it's been, if this is the end, it's been fun. Made a lot of memories and uh, I'm numb to this to the situation. Now. I was like, oh shit. Feels like he might want out, but I don't know. I don't, you know, he's not, He's obviously not putting up the numbers that Christian McCaffrey does, but I still think he has the potential to if you get if you surround him with the right scheme and offensive line. I mean, if you put Saquon Barkley behind the fucking 49ers offensive line, you don't think these numbers are going to be a little different? You put Christian McCaffrey on this friggin' team behind this Giants offensive line, you don't think it's going to be a little different? So uh, I honestly hope we keep him. I wonder what his head is going to be like if we tag him again because we can tag him again. Is he going to hold that? I don't know. I, I If we tag him again, I don't know that he's going to be as crazy to play <laughs> as he was. Uh, Daniel Jones, we already talked about. I mean, you know, he's he's going to be the starter, and I think he's going to have a bounce back year, big time. I think that was an aberration last year. It was just kind of like, you know, I think, uh, you know, you, you get pressured, rushed, and hit as many times as he was so early on in the season and knowing that he doesn't have his top guy with getting his back. That can run, <laughs> it can uh, really do some damage on your brain. And the offensive line, dude, fix the offensive line. I mean, uh, aren't you tired of the broken record of Giants fan base saying, please fix the offensive line, please fix the offensive line? And that's a great segue to the uh, what I think we should do with the number six pick in the in the twenty twenty four NFL draft. That number, that first round pick, six pick overall. I ran a bunch of mock drafts. I've looked at. I did a bunch of research about what a lot of the mock drafts are saying or predicting. Not that they're always right; they rarely are. But at the number six pick, there are. Four or five guys that I have at the top of my list. If Joe Alt, offensive tackle from Notre Dame, falls to us, pick him. If Alumiwa Fashanu is on the board, offensive tackle from Penn State, pick him. I don't mind picking up a wide receiver. Malik Neighbors has been mocked to us a bunch of times, LSU Tigers. I think I mocked him a few, a few, a few rounds, a few goes at it. I don't think it's worth taking Jaden Dales that high. And here's the most controversial one. Brock Bowers tied in Georgia Bulldogs. Essentially a younger version of Waller. Maybe not exactly a Sam Laporta or Travis Kelsey, but he put up some big numbers at Georgia. He's the number one tight end. Average draft positions in that general vicinity. So it's not that much of a stretch or a reach for us. Darren Waller, injuries, getting older. Maybe not as spry. Daniel Bellinger, more of a blocking tight end, can catch the ball. But if you put Brock Bowers in the mix, dude, now you can go two tight end sets, three tight end sets, and each one of those guys can catch the ball and run with it. You know, or Belly can stay in and block. But 
I I know it's I know it doesn't sound right. It's crazy. It's three tight ends. What are you doing? But I think you need to. You can't look at Darren Waller as a tight end, and I don't know that Brock Bowers is necessarily your traditional tight end. So, I mean, you know, you look at the Patriots, twenty ten, Will Hernandez. No, not Will Hernandez. Aaron Hernandez and Gronk. You know, two thousand eleven, go to the Super Bowl with that two tight end tandem. Why not the Giants? Why not Brock Bowers and Daniel? Darren Waller. So yeah, those are the the dudes I'm considering with that number six pick overall. You know, I'm cool with a wide receiver. I'm cool with an offensive tackle, even a past the top tight end in the draft. And then uh, you know, I think we do it's fine if we pick a quarterback with like our second of the <laughs> second round picks. <coughs> so I'll probably go over some mock drafts at some point down the road. Uh, 2020, 2020, 2024 opponents have been announced. We're playing uh, at home. We obviously have the NFC East uh, divisional opponents, but then we also have the Saints, Bucks, Ravens, Bengals, Vikings, and Colts. Woof, dude. All of those teams are either playoff teams or borderline playoff teams from this past year. Saints almost made the playoffs. You know, the Packers lose, they're in. Bucks clinch the NFC South and are in. Ravens are the number one seed in the NFC. Bengals, I mean, I don't know how they missed the playoffs. Jake Browning, I thought, played well and just had a, t- a couple of few tough games. You know, they come up short, but like the Bengals are a perennial playoff team. The Vikings, you know, were in the hunt this year, and that's without Kirk Cousins. The defense is improved significantly. And then the Colts, who almost a playoff team, looking like they were going to get the seven seed and then, uh, you know, got bounced at the end there. Fucking Steelers. I cannot believe they made the playoffs again. <laughs> Mike Tomlin, dude, has not had a losing season. It's insane. So I guess this is what I have. And originally I looked at the opponent's graphic and I was like, ah, maybe five wins maybe six wins, but I've kind of come around on it since uh, my initial reaction wasn't great, but I've come around on it. Saints at home, that's a win. I think we play better against them at home than we do away. Bucks, and it's a revenge game. (coughs) I think we're going to come out and be pissed about what they uh, were doing to our boy, Tommy DeVita, this past season. Bucks at home, I think that's a win. Ravens at home is a loss. Bengals at home is a loss. Vikings at home... I think can be a win. It'll be close, but it's a win. And then the Colts, who knows how Anthony Richardson comes back from injury. Uh, Garner Minshew might be moving on. So I think that's a win. But would you be shocked if like we lose to the Vikings, Colts, Saints, or Bucks? I wouldn't be like given what we've seen, you know, and this is before we make some, you know, some waves in free agency or trades or draft. This is before all that, but like just a taste in my mouth. <laughs> this is like our offensive line is still an issue and it has to be fixed. So in our, in our current state, I wouldn't be shocked if we like lost five of those games. So four and two at home is what I'm uh, looking at away at Seattle yet again. That's a loss at Falcons. I think that's a win. The Falcons are in a state of disarray despite having like two, three really stellar uh, players on offense at the Browns. You got to think that's a loss. I mean, it's a Super Bowl caliber defense, top defense in the league. Uh, even with Deshaun Watson, maybe coming back or not, you know, quarterback might be up in the air, I guess. I don't know. But like they've, they've proven that it almost doesn't matter who you put back a quarterback, they're going to win with that defense. So I feel like that's a loss at Cleveland. At the Panthers is a win. At the Steelers, it feels like a loss. So it looks like it's two and three away. That's not including divisional opponents. So I think our ceiling based on that is nine or eight or 10 and seven. And, uh, you know, like I said, it could very easily be a five or six win season. I could very easily see that if, if a lot of the shit that happened this year happens again next year, for sure. Um, but if Andrew Thomas stays healthy the whole season and Saquon Barkley stays relatively healthy the whole season, um, 
I can't if you have Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and Andrew Thomas on the field for 17 games and you only win five or six games, everyone's gotta go. <laughs> everyone's gonna just burn it to the fucking ground. But you know, if you have another season like this where Daniel Jones misses a handful of games, Saquon misses a handful of games, Andrew Thomas misses a handful of games, those are the three dudes that are gonna make it work and click. You get all three of those dudes on the field, healthy, you're gonna win games. Simple as that. So that's the Giants. Quickly talk about the Mets. Um, we didn't get Yoshi. Yoshi signed with those motherfucking Los Angeles Dodgers who also signed Teoscar Hernandez and have also signed every other free agent on the market. I think their payroll is a billion dollars. I don't understand what's going on, and yet no one gives a shit. I mean, maybe it's because I'm not in L.A., Maybe it's because I don't fall as baseball as closely as I probably should. But like if the Mets are doing this kind of bullshit, uh, Steve going to be dragged over the coals for it and getting scrutinized up and down, left and right. So <sighs> wild. And meanwhile, we kind of we're not sitting on our hands. We're not twiddling our thumbs, but we're not exactly making any real waves, which I was I didn't want us to be big spenders. But I also didn't want us to, this is a, almost a little too under the radar. <laughs> it's just like, I'm all for signing guys to modest contracts, short term, that you feel like are just dependable, you know, are not going to miss games due to injury, are not inconsistent or volatile or up and down, just like consistent dudes that are on the, that are affordable. And it appears that's the route that we've taken. You know, the free agents we've signed so far, right-handed pitcher Luis Severino, one-year 13 mil. Uh, Harrison Bader, outfielder, one-year 10.5 mil. Um, and most recently, Sean Manea, two-year contract worth 28 mil, includes the opt-out after the 2024 season. So, you know, I think Manea's career ERA is uh, a little above four, which is not too sexy. There's also not too bad. Uh, Severino apparently had been tipping pitches and the Mets have figured that out and are, have worked it out or we're going to work it out. And like, so he'll be lights out because he's not going to be tipping pitches anymore. Harrison Bader is a, a defensive stud whose bat kind of uh, cooled off significantly last season. So like if he can get back to just playing, just having average offensive Stats, that should be good. Now, does he go in center field and is Nimmo going left? Because Nimmo stay in center and Bader goes left. And what's up with Starling Marte? I don't know. Apparently, he's requested permission to play in the Winter League, which, you know, after considering after what happened with our boy Ronnie Mauricio, it's like maybe, maybe like take some time yourself and <laughs> just heal up as much as possible. Get that pelvis in, uh, fully operational <coughs> and uh the other big acquisition trade we acquired right-handed pitcher adrian hauser and outfielder tyrone taylor from the brewers for right-handed pitcher coleman crow so as it stands right now the rotation is kodai sanga jose quintana luis severino sean Manea, adrian hauser i guess the the back three you could play around with right Back three, because it feels like, yeah, Quintana and Sanga have really cemented themselves as the one and two. And then Severino, I mean, ultimately, you know, they got a bunch of guys that could very easily be your number three. It's like we got three threes, doesn't it? Manea might be not a three. And I don't know dick about Hauser. So <laughs> kind of talking out of line here, but uh, I am more familiar with Manea than I am Hauser. So the rotations, there and uh you know the the grade i talked about in the intro the grade that the athletic gave the mets this is before the shamanea sign uh they gave the mets a c plus and i kind of have to agree it's kind of just like eh, you know it's not like gonna really move the needle you know it's not electric electrifying type uh maneuvers but solid you know c's not c's average the c plus it's slightly above average. <laughs> like it's a high average. So, if, you know, I don't see this as a D or an F. I don't think they're failing. They're addressing the needs. They needed pitching, and they addressed those needs. And that's before the Shamanea signing. So I think that goes up to a B-. minus. 
yeah, it's a B minus. It's all right, you know. And uh, what's what's wild is we'll probably play better and win more than. I mean, in that write up on the Athletic, they were like, well, they're basically without if they don't sign a uh, like a top free agent pitcher and or hitter, then we can expect them to finish third or fourth in division uh, this season. And I was like, Ooh, okay, interesting. You know, obviously, Maurice, the loss of Mauricio sucks. Um, and it looks like there's no mention of Matt Chapman getting signed. So it looks like uh, people are thinking he's going to go to the Giants of San Francisco. So I'd say it's a B minus now, right? It would be nice to get one more dude, you know, one more dude. It would be nice. And maybe that's in the works. I know uh, I read um, an article or post or headline saying that they are trying to put together a trade, another trade for a starting pitcher. So who they will trade, I don't know. But uh, yeah, it wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't hurt to roll with, uh, you know, maybe you have one more starting pitcher that you can throw into the mix there. Um, I don't even know what our bullpen situation is right now. <laughs> I just don't know. Um, so, uh, you know, it, bullpen would be nice to shore up. That would be, be great. Um, looking at the remaining top free agents, the Stroh show still available. Apparently he wanted to sign with the Yankees and the Yankees were like, no, thanks. <laughs> that was the rumor. Uh, Joey Votto is still out there. I thought he was going to retire. He's age 40. Shunji Ryu, almost 37 year old. Clayton Kershaw is still out there. Jock Peterson. That's, I mean, I, I've talked about him thinking that he could be a nice little addition, but apparently not. Market value is 15, almost $16 million. I think that's why. Um, oh, the trade might be Omar Navarez. You know, now that you have uh, Francisco <laughs> Alvarez, um, what's the use of having Omar Navarez? So apparently package him with a prospect for a pitcher. Could be interesting. And, you know, going back to like the offseason, the grade and like the lack of splash, We've had a splash every season for the past three off seasons or something like that. Every year, every off season for the past three off seasons. And where has it gotten us? <laughs> it's like, I mean, we had the one good year, but like, maybe this is nice. We're just fly, you know, pretty fly under the radar. There were some uh, rumors that we were interested in bringing Justin Turner back. It's a hard pass. He's 39. Um, Evan Longoria is 38. Well, you're right. Urias, 27 years old. His market value is like 24 million, though. You know, we're just not, I don't think we're going to spend, like, I know that they want to, they might want to get one big name, but I don't know. I just don't, after what they went through with their big spending spree with uh, Scherzer and Verlander, it's like a uh, little, little hesitant to pull the trigger on some of the bigger contracts that are out there. To be had. Yeah, there's not a lot of Jordan Montgomery's 31, big tall lefty. It's an $18.4 million market value, though. Whoa, dude. Jorge Soler, DH, 13.9 million. Mm -mm. It's a lot for DH. And we kind of have a DH situation that could work out depending on the development of Vientos. <coughs> Josh Hader, relief pitcher, $17.6 million market value. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so, uh, you know. Mm -hmm -hmm. Uh, would you bring back Ahmad Ahmed Rosario uh, and put him at third? Good question, Neil. Uh, is not coming back, I don't think. 38 years old. Jesse Winker. That'd be funny. Jerickson Profar. Be 31. I don't know what his market value is, though. Brad Keller, Eric Lowe. Yeah. So, I mean, there's not a lot of numbers and names that are jumping out at me that I think would be a good fit, that it makes sense. Um, you know, because at this point, I think they're probably going to roll with what they got in the outfield. Yeah. Mm, yeah. There's just, I don't know if there's anyone really, uh, any third baseman, free agent third baseman that really jump out at me. Other than Matt Chapman, and he, and it, Rumor has it he's going to the Giants. So don't think we're going to get uh, a third baseman through free agency. Looking at 
outfielders, you know, we talked about Jock Peterson. Cody Bellinger is only 28, but he's kind of struggled. $22.5 million market value, and he would probably have to play center. Um, Randall Grichuk, Grichuk from the Angels, 32 years old, $8 million market value. I don't know that you would do Eddie Rosario. Jesse Winker would be too funny. Jerks and Parfar. Yeah, so like Austin Meadows. I don't know. Whit Merrifield is going to be 35, though. Bring back Kevin Pillar. Oh, my God, he's 35. Robbie Grossman's 34. Yeah, I don't know. Not, I'm not like crazy about any of this. Any of this. Let's take a look at pitchers. First, starting pitching. Mm-hmm. Brewer. That could be interesting. Jake Odorizzi yet again. He's going to be 34, though. Zach Davies, $6.5 million. Vincent Velasquez, 8.1. Yeah, so I guess there's there's still some decent options in starting pitching. I haven't heard much in the way of relief pitching. I think that's what's scaring me. <laughs> Liam Hendricks is going to be 35. Hector Norris is going to be 35. Matt Moore is going to be 35. You bring back Colin McHugh for $4.6 million. I don't think he wants to come back. Michael Fulmer. <laughs> 4.8 mi- uh, million market value. Wandy Peralta, since we are deciding that we're going to just go straight, we're going to just pick up Yankees, former Yankees. Not, yeah, I don't. Oh boy. Ah. Yeah, I just don't see us splurging on Josh Hader. Um, be interesting to see if we can snag a couple of, they're a little on the older side, but Matt Barnes or Matt Moore, former Marlins. Yeah. Shintaro Fujinami. That's the big Japanese signing that we we're all talking about this whole offseason, right? Uh, Rodriguez. Yeah. Kenyon Middleton. Another former Yankee. $7.6 million. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's, it's far from over, right? Spring training doesn't really start till February ish. You know, I think even March, you can go to March almost. I think he'd still be making moves. So, oh boy, but that maybe this is what the kind of off season we need. You know, let's get back to basics. Like, let's just sign guys that are not maybe not big names, well known names, but just reliable, dependable, trustworthy dudes who can just play average baseball. <laughs> that's what we're looking for. That's what I've been asking for. Let's just pick up. A few average to slightly above average players, and I think we win more games, enough games to win the to go to the playoffs. And it, it's it, the, the similarities to the Giants are a little a little scary though. It's like we're just hoping, cross your fingers, that Brett Beatty and Bientos take that next step. Like we're like the Giants fans were hoping that Evan Neal would take the next step. It's like we're now hoping John Michael Schmitz takes the next step because he struggled towards the end of the season anyway that's the show that's the app thanks for listening thanks for watching um a lot's been going on in my life and i hope to get that out to you because it's been a while it's been damn near a month with no life updates no life stories but uh things are going well i'll just say that that's why uh i guess uh i've been a little lax in what i've been doing content wise it's because uh I just uh, got some good things going on, okay? Namely my girlfriend. Okay, that's enough. We'll talk to you next time. Adios, muchachos.